0: Welcome to Awakening. Good to be with you. My name's Ryan. If you're new, uh, we're in a series called Stereo Good News for a Listening World. We've uh, been talking about this idea, uh, stereo. And we said this in the last few weeks it, it doesn't matter how beautiful or powerful the song, if it's played on the wrong platform, it just sounds like noise. If you are here a few weeks ago, uh, we started it off and I did a little kind of il- illustration with my phone. I had my phone, I was playing the song, Awake My Soul by Mumford & Sons. I love that song. And, and I, just, I think that's a lot of the way that, f- for us who are followers of Christ, the way we actually uh, address the good news or the gospel is we just simply play it to ourselves. No one else can hear it. And maybe the reason is because there's some others that are playing it, but the way they play it is they play it through a megaphone. And it's loud, and and is there some truth in there? There is some truth, but so much of the song is missing. It just sounds like noise. And then we went back, and I plugged it in into the the stereo system here, and it was, man, what a difference. It was in stereo. You could hear the beautiful nuances of the song. You weren't distracted by the, the feedback from the megaphone. You could hear the beauty. And the reality is, is it doesn't matter how beautiful or powerful the song, if it's played on the wrong platform. And we're talking about that in this series. And and what does it look like? What is this good news? And how do we begin to share it? And and I just got to be real honest and start that if if you look at the course of my life, and especially sharing this amazing news that God loves us, Longs to be with us and overcame whatever obstacles were in his way to be with us. That meant he sent his son to die on the cross for us. Incredible, incredible news. That my heart for people either kind of grows or it fades at times. I don't know if you've been there or there, but if I look at the history of my walk with Jesus, that, that times my heart for people, especially those who are far from God, at times it doesn't break for them the way God's heart breaks for them. In fact, there's a lot of times, if I look even over the last five or six years, I'm, I'm more content and I seem to go in waves. I don't know if you're there, but I just say, just real honestly to start off as your pastor here and just go, hey. One, there's times where you experience these seasons and there's these waves. And you know what has happened for me in this series and actually the last two series? I look at my neighbors differently. And it's my hope for you is that you begin to look at your neighbors or your workplace or your school or your friends or your family differently. In our last series in Dreaming Wide Awake, we began praying this prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And that's really begun something in me. Something that, that is rekindling this heart and passion for the thing that's on the very heart of God, those who are far from Him. It's so on His heart that He came and died for every single person in this room and on this planet. And so as we begin, I just wanted to begin with a confession of that's where I've been and what God's doing So if you're there, if you're there and your heart is just kind of like, you know what, I'm stagnant and stale, and honestly, I I care more about where I'm at than where anyone else is at, I'd say I I understand. And my prayer for you is that, that God would begin to do a work in your heart, the same that He's been doing in my heart. Like, I have this overwhelming passion and desire for my neighbors to come to know Jesus and i 've lived there five and a half, almost six years in the same neighborhood and i 've been so content with the four or five neighbors that I know around and all of a sudden, I see different neighbors that are walking up the street and i 'm going like i, I don 't know them and i 've been here six years and I do this run, and it's about a four-mile run that I run, and I come across people, and I just realize I I don't pray for them. My heart doesn't break for them, and God's beginning to break my heart and beginning to ignite something deep inside that that is really on his heart, and it's his heart is those who are far from him. And so I just say that's where I'm at, and my prayer for us tonight is that God would begin to do that in you and where you're at and what he longs to do through you. So as we begin, let me pray, and we'll dive in. Jesus, thanks for tonight. I ask that you would speak real clearly to our hearts. I I pray for the wisdom to know what to say. I pray that you would give us the courage to obey what you're asking of us, that we would be a community that shares your love and grace to a hurting and broken world. For your name's sake, for your glory, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. If you got your notes, open them up. We're going to do some work together. Uh, We started with this definition of gospel. And and literally from the Greek is the word euangelion. And we've said that the last few weeks, and we might as well end that way too. Uh, So you can, you know, at least walk away and go, I know one Greek word. Can you say that? Euangelion. Euangelion. Yeah, every week it's getting better. Kind of. But it literally means good news. And, and, and if you go and unpack that idea a little bit more, it's news that makes one happy. Information that causes one joy. Words that bring a smile. A message that causes the heart to be sweet. That, that's the evangelion, the gospel, the good news. That, that, that is what it, it is to the hurting and broken world. And in week one we said this, the gospel in stereo The platform, the right platform is love. John 13, 34, 35 says this. Jesus said, A new command I give you, that you love one another in the same way that I've loved you. By this, the whole world will know you're my disciples. He says the platform, the correct platform, the way to share the gospel in stereo, this good news, where it's not just noise, is the platform of love. And Paul would go to the other extreme in 1 Corinthians 13 and say, if you have, if speak even with the tongues of angels, but love is missing. It's just a clanging symbol. It's just noise. It says for us, the most important thing for us to be the community God has called us to be and to share the good news that God loves this world is that we are, number one, fundamentally a community of love. Not any type of love, but he says this, that we would love others the way Jesus has loved us. Week two. We, we taught you then the words to the song, the good news. Took one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, John 3, 16, unpacked that. It is just simply the words to the song. This is the good news. This is the evangelion. For God so loves the world. It begins with his great love that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's the words to the song, the good news. And tonight... We're going to dive in as we close this series with this. Everyone has a song to sing. Everyone has a song to sing. Because here's what happens, and, and especially as you sit there, is what happens is we begin to go this, okay, the gospel and stereo love, oh, that's so good. And the words to the song, man, that's nice. You know, maybe you've been around for a while, you never knew the words to the song, you hear this word gospel, Rod, and you're like, well, what does it even mean? And as we begin unpacking that, you're like, that's nice. And, and we like to be smarter, don't we? We like to know more. But the reality is, is every single person in this room who's a follower of Jesus Christ, has a song to sing. God has uniquely made you, designed you, and then placed you strategically where you are to have an impact, to share the euangelion, the beautiful news that God loves this world to everyone around you. You have a song to sing. And you can look to your neighbor and go, yeah, they have a song to sing. And your neighbor on your right or your left, they have. But the person sitting in your chair, you. Think about that. Let that sink in for a second. You are specifically designed. Your history and background is unique to you. Your story is unique to who you are. And God says, I long to use you. In fact, I strategically placed you. You know that job that you don't really like? Yeah, I placed you there because you, your story is a song to be sung to share the good news. You know that school place that you're going to right now? Maybe it's more than just an education. Maybe you have a song to sing that's the Evangelion. You know that family that is kind of crazy and out of control? And Could it be that God has placed you on this planet for such a time as this? where you would stop just thinking it's everyone else's responsibility and realize that God looks at you and he says, you know, the gospel, the good news, it is a song to be sung, and each one of us in our unique voice gets to share that with the world around us. Now, here's a sobering part of that reality. And it's one that I hope is a little weighty for us as a community, And here it is, it's in your notes. We are God's game plan for reaching this world. And there's no plan B. God doesn't have a contingency plan. He doesn't go, you know what, if this new church plant in San Jose mucks it up, then, then he's got a contingency plan. He's going to go and, you know, do some kind of cool, like, things with the stars and, like, align them to say, like, Evangelion And people going what is that? I don't know. You know, or he's going to, like, do something with the clouds. Or Jesus is going to go, hey, you! And everyone's going, oh, now we get it. He says, you. You. And me, we, are God's game plan. He says, I entrust the single greatest message this planet has ever heard to, yeah, you and me. I entrust the greatest news this planet has ever received to people like you and me. It is a sacred entrustment where we carry with joy. We say, we... Our purpose on this planet is to help people find a relationship with the living God. That's it. And there's no plan B. There's no backup plan for your neighbors, for your friends. He says it's you, and it's me. Well, where do I get that? If you got your Bible, open them up to Matthew 28, verse 18. This is what's known as the Great Commission. Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven, he rose again out of the grave. He's been on uh, the earth for about 30 days. 500 eyewitnesses have seen him. He's eaten with people. And before he goes, he says this to them. It's It's the marching orders for this new movement we would call the church. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, gather in lots of groups, sometimes even in a high school. Therefore, get really, really comfortable. Therefore, sit back and just watch what's going on. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, now don't call me surely, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus, no longer suffering servant, but now conquering king, shows up to disciples. He says, it's time, guys. It's game time. The ushering in of my kingdom and the restoring project of planet earth is happening now. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go. In fact, if you would do that, would you circle that word go for me? It's a participle. It's not necessarily a command, though connected with the imperative here, the command disciples make disciples. It has that force of, you, you, of a command go. But it's literally while going. A great translation of this, as you go about your day. See, the mark of what Jesus said is it's less about come and see and more about go and be. And and we've switched things in the church where it's come and see. The gathering is like, hey, come and see, and we're going to come and watch. And he says, no, no, no. Your purpose on this planet is to go and be. We'd say it's less, less about our seating capacity here and how many butts we can fit in a seat here at awakening. And it's more about our sending capacity and what type of people are walking out those doors and making an impact in the kingdom and reshaping eternity. He says, therefore, go. While you're going, as you go about your day. So, so it's not just some, some. we immediately go, well, that's for missionaries. No, 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 no. That's for you. You're called to be a missionary where you're at. You're supposed to be on mission. That's why we say, join the movement here. Experience community. Then what? Live on mission. That's the goal. That's the purpose, that we would live on mission together as a community and just sit back and go, whoa, what is God going to do? He says, therefore, go as you are going about your day. Think about your day right now. And tomorrow, what does tomorrow look like as you go about your day? He says, as you go about your day, then this, what? Make disciples. Do, do this for me in, in the text there. Between make and disciple, just put a line in between there. In the original Greek text here, it just says the command is Disciple. It's, it's not to make, and interpreters were trying to figure out okay, it's a command. How do we and make that, you know, that people know it's a command? So make disciples. But really, it's a great translation of this. As you're going about your day, disciple. Here's why this is important write over make, write God's part. And then over disciple, write my part. See, the reality is, and this is where we kind of mess things up, is we try to make people disciples. God can only make someone, God can only heal heart. God can only change a heart. God can only bring new life and breathe new life into someone so once they are walking dead in their own tracks and then he breathes new life and they're made new and alive in him. Only God can do that. That is his responsibility. And so stop trying to do what only he can do and start doing what only you can do. And he says, what only you can do is you can disciple. See, as you go about your day. Disciple. I listened to one guy, I remember sitting, uh, and he talked about this. He says, it's a dynamic of how you relate to others. Does not change the way you think about this passage now? As you go about your day, disciple. It's a dynamic of how you relate to everyone else. It is a way of life, and just the w- normal way of life, that you're going to disciple anyone you come into contact with. That they're going to experience more of Jesus, and be pointed to him, and to follow him more, because They've been around you, whether they know Jesus or don't know Jesus. It is just the way you engage life and go about life. He says that is normal Christianity. So let's start calling normal normal and not call it super Christianity. Because too many of us are saying, well, that's what for the super duper pastors and missionaries. Jesus says, no, that's what it means to follow me. That's the point. That's normal. That's the bar. As you go about your day, disciple. Well, what's that look like? Well, he gives us two more participles that help us unpack that. First, what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to actually do baptisms tonight. Last service was awesome, and I don't know if you noticed. I'm a little wet from the last one. We had some spontaneous baptisms, which were awesome. Baptizing it is literally uh, bringing someone to the point of declaring their faith publicly. I, I, gotta, I actually don't have a whole lot of time, but I'm going to take you to this passage anyways. Flip over to Romans 10, if you would. Verse 9, it, Paul writes this. He says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, baptism is this public declaration that I'm His and I long to follow Him. That's all it is. It's this beautiful picture of your ident- identification with what He did on the cross, that you died with Him as you go down under the water, and that you are raised to new life coming up. And it's this public declaration. It says, disciple people to the point where they publicly declare, I'm His. Where they believe in their heart that he is Lord and declare him publicly. He says, walk with people that way. And he says, what? Teaching the second or third participle, really. Teaching them to what? To learn everything Jesus taught, to become great students, and to be able to quote as many verses as possible. As Christians, we often are collectors of information rather than pursuers of transformation, aren't we? He says, teaching them to... What's it say in your text? I didn't hear you. I still didn't hear you. Anybody? (laughs) We don't like that word, huh? (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) What? What? Obey everything I have commanded you. See, this is the part where we bring others under the blessing of God. See, there's a way that life works and God designed it that way and when you obey the way he designed it, 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 you come under the favor and blessing of God. Rather than... Being smarter, what if you just simply obeyed one of his commands? See, I think most of us in this room who have kind of done church for a little bit know enough. Could it be that it's just simply time to get off our, pardon the French, asses and start doing more? I'm pretty sure that's not French. See, Jesus commanded some things like this. He said, take up your cross and follow me. He, he said the first will be last and the last will be first, a way of doing life. He said, he said if someone asks of your cloak that you give it to him freely, someone asks you to walk a mile, which the only one who would do that would, in that day would be a Roman centurion, the imposing empire, And they were legally bound. They had to walk a mile and carry the Romans guard's gear. And he says, if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk two. Go above and beyond. He says, This love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He said since he has all the authority and all the power, that you're his game plan for awakening this generation, this world to new life in him. He said, I'm going to entrust that to you. And I know you're messed up because I'm messed up. And, I, and Jesus looking down, he says, I get that. He says, but you have a song to be sung that God longs to use. And it is beautiful and it will reach somebody that someone else can't because your unique voice in the way God created you and where he placed you, if you would begin to embrace life the way he's designed it. That's what he's saying. So how do we do that? Well, let me give you a few kind of practical points and how, we, how we'd go about discipline as we go. Now the first is letter A, letter A, letter A. Letter A. I thought I said number A and first one, letter A. Invest in the person and not a project. Invest in the person, not a project. If you're here three weeks ago, and I encourage you watch that video or listen to the podcast. I had my neighbor Todd come. He doesn't know Jesus, uh, and he shared. And one of the cool parts that he shared as we did this interview, and he shared three killer points that he teaches entrepreneurs to do. One is know the game worth playing, play it full out, and then share it with anyone within arm's reach. And an incredible I'm Like, if we could do that, we could change a city as believers. But one of the things I shared in this service was, was about kind of this whole idea of, of, of not having this secret agenda and not making people projects. And in fact, I said it this way, that it's evil when you make someone a project. He's come back to me over the last few weeks. Mentioned it three different times. He's like, "Yeah, that that point. See, it is evil when you turn a person who God loves into a project, and you're just hanging out with them because you trying to coerce something. No, love them. See, Tom's my neighbor. Do I long for him to come to know Jesus? Absolutely. Do I pray for him? Absolutely. But he's my friend. Whether he comes to know Jesus or not, he'll still be my friend. Whether he accepts or rejects me and I still love him. He's my friend, he's my neighbor. Invest in the person, not the project. Let it be. Evangelism is a process, not just an event. Evangelism is a process, not an event. And we get kind of messed up here, and we think it's like this event. And what we do is we, we go, okay, okay, well, i got to get it all out. And we just try to share a whole lot of things and realize it is a process with people of walking a long time with them. I remember my neighbor in Georgia, and we had been playing tennis uh, for a couple years, and and I just felt it on my heart that I really longed for to have a spiritual conversation with him, and 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 around God and around share the gospel in some way. And I've been developing this relationship and seeing where he's at and asking questions. And it's been a year and a half now, and trying to find figure out times for the message of the good news of God to come into it. And one night, I kind of forced it. And I love that God, you know, like is okay with, like, my stupidity, you know, that that he can even use me, and when it's, like, not perfect and not good, and and we're talking, we just got done, it was late night, we just got done playing tennis, and we're sitting, hanging out, talking, we're talking about his brother, and somehow my hometown Santa Cruz got brought up, and we're talking about Santa Cruz, and I'm, like, praying as I'm talking, like, God, would you bring up an opportunity to share, and then Santa Cruz, and for whatever reason, I don't, I wouldn't suggest, this isn't, like, a, a how-to, this is a how-not-to, like, I was like, okay, Santa Cruz, it means Holy Cross. So I'm like, okay, do you know what Santa Cruz means in Spanish? <laughs> and that was like my introduction to like trying to share the gospel of like going, yeah, this really crazy town called Santa Cruz, and we had both been there, and it means Holy Cross. I'm like, isn't that ironic, you know? And I just go, okay. God was gracious. It wasn't perfect. But the reality was, was it, it was this process of friendship that God allowed me even to have just stumble my way along and share that. Understand, invest in the person, not the project. Evangelism is a process, not an event. Letter C, mastered the art of question asking. Mastered the art of question asking. I believe this is one of the most powerful tools in really sharing your faith. And did you know, That people, studies show, people feel most loved when they have been actively listened to. They feel most loved and valued when they have felt actively listened to. Active listening is when your eyes are locked on, you're watching them, your body's responding, and then you respond with questions that are actually about what they had just said. It says, practice the art of question asking. I learned this from my wife. She is an amazing question asker. You ever hang out with her and she can ask a billion questions. She can talk to you for three or four hours and you just met. Now me on the other hand, I'm kind of introverted actually. Uh, and so, like, I literally have to have questions. Like, on Sunday nights, and I, I have, like, questions that I know, like, I, I ask. I have, like, five go-to questions. And we can spring—I've gotten better, so I can springboard from there. But it's taken a long time to actually learn how to ask great questions. Master the art of question asking, where you just begin to dive into their story. So oftentimes, we just want to share. We want to share our point, our view, and prove our point, And we just want to go, here— Here, here you go, instead of how are you, right? And and we just kind of go, here you go, here you go, instead of how are you? How are you doing? And if they, you know, sometimes we get really loud about this and go, well, they don't don't get it, so I'm going to just shove it down their throats, instead of like, what's really going on? You know, when you practice the art of question asking, you can just pray for them, too. Like, man, is it okay if I pray for you? I did that with my other neighbor. He was sharing something, uh, and and he was sharing some deep stuff, and we're talking on his patio porch, and I just said, man, is it cool if I pray for you right now? And he's really open spiritually, uh, and he's like, yeah. And I just right there on the porch just prayed for him came back two weeks later, and I was like, I don't know what happened, but that prayer, man, that something was powerful about that prayer. Why? Because prayer is actually powerful. Imagine that. Lastly, learn to share your story. As you disciple, learn to share your story, what God's doing in you. Now, some of you are like me. You grew up in the church you have a background, and so you're like, what, what story do I have to share? And remember, we said God has uniquely designed and placed you and made you. And your story, you have a song to be sung. I, I remember wrestling with that conflict of what story do I have to share. It was really in high school. Uh, And in in high school, I was wrestling with this, uh, and I really wasn't necessarily walking with God at the time, and I went on a missions trip to Mexico, and we had a large high school ministry, so there's about 150 or 200 high schoolers down. We're building a bunch of houses, and each night they wanted, you know, to share, someone to share uh, their testimonies, what they called it. And so, as, as the pastor's son, they picked me, and I, I think I was a freshman or sophomore, and I looked at my story, and was like, I don't really have much of a story. So, you know what I did? I got up and made up my story. <laughs> I mean, I literally got up in front and lied, and was like, yeah, God saved me from all this stuff, and drugs, and all, you know, I just, I mean, I went on, I just made it up, I just went through the whole thing. Because I didn't really believe everyone had a song to be sung. And my story is one where I came to know Christ when I was about five years old. And that was significant. But you know what? The junior high, high school years hit. And it, and it was one where I really wrestled with God. I got hooked on porn. And I just so longed to fit in. It was actually the summer uh, before my senior year, that I just was tired of the way life was going, and I hated what was going on, and it just wasn't working, and I cried out to God, and I had a life-changing encounter with God in, in, the, uh, in a field. I was actually working as a landscaper uh, and cutting a field down uh, with a, a lawnmower, and I met Jesus there, and he changed my life. And if at five years old, I would say that's where I really accepted Jesus as my Savior. At 18 years old, I accepted him as my Lord. Forever redirected my life, changed me as one where now I uh, changed my whole purpose on this planet. And something happened in me that at that moment I couldn't help not share it because I was like, "This is so good and what He's done in me." I just wanted to share it. So as I went back to school, I just began to share it in crazy ways and not really well. And I mean, I remember being in a government class and sitting to the guy next to me he was like the most popular guy in school, and he had all you know, he was actually a drug dealer and had all the stuff to um, the parties. And his name's Preston, and I was like, "Hey, Preston, has anyone told you about Jesus?" <laughs> nice line but we're in government class so I mean nobody wants to listen to the teacher so he's like no (laughs) (laughs) and I began to share about Jesus and what he had done in my life and and here's Preston a non-christian and he says hey man I'd like to hear more do you think we could meet up later tonight I was like yeah and so he invited about 30 of his closest friends (laughs) and Preston a non-believer started a Bible study in my house every Wednesday night and we went through the Gospel of John as a community and through the process he and many others came to know Jesus simply because I allowed what God was doing in my heart to spill over and to this day Preston's one of my best friends he married an amazing Christian girl has two beautiful kids, and his story has been reshaped because of one silly 18-year-old who just met with the risen Lord, had his life changed and couldn't hold it back, and said, can I tell you about Jesus? Everyone has a song to be sung. So here's what I want to do with the remainder of our time. I want to help you learn how to share your story. And so in your notes, and this is the practical side, and yes, this is the side, every week we've done something that's caused you to be uncomfortable, which is good, is learn how to share your story. Uh, And if you chart it in the book of Acts, you can look at this and see how Paul did in Acts 26, but essentially it's broken up kind of three ways, life before Christ, how I met Christ, and then life after Christ. The question you ask, life before Christ, uh, what were you putting your hope in? How is that working for you? What were you putting your hope in, and how is that working for you? How you met Christ? Specifically, how did you come to know him? I mean, real specifically, and then life with Christ. What difference has Jesus made? I remember my neighbor Todd sharing this. I think he even shared it with us, but he shared it to to me. The biggest turnoff to him with the Christians he met is he didn't see any difference in their life. And I'd agree. If Jesus makes no difference and you don't experience any life change and you're just the same, what point, why would anyone else want that? And I'd agree. Life before Christ, how'd you meet him? Well, life after. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you about three minutes, just kind of bullet point, just you, and I'm going to have Jade turn on some music uh, and just do that. Life before Christ, what was it like? Life How'd you meet Christ? A couple bullet points, and then life with Christ. All right, ready? Music, cue, and you just take about two minutes and do this. Write it down. I'll give you time later to do some bigger stuff, but... One more minute, okay? All right, I, I know you need more time. I understand that. But I want to do one practice with you, and this is the awkward part of it, is what I want to do is do, give you about four minutes and take two minutes each and just share your story with the person next to you and then just swap, okay? And I know, I know it's going to be like, hi, uh, this is a little awkward. The pastor's making me do it. Great, that's fine, right? Now, here's the thing. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, that's great. We love that you're here. Don't don't make up your story like I did, okay? Um, But just be honest. Say, hey, here's my story. Here's where I'm at. And just tell some of the major points of your life. And here's where where I've been. And that's great. That's all you need to share. And and so stoked that you're here and that you'd share. So would you do that right now? Take two minutes each. And I'll I'll give you kind of the two-minute warning. Turn to the person next to you. You may have to get to know their name. And and share your story, all right? Go. All right, switch. Go ahead and switch. bring it back bring it back now now here's what's amazing is that the person that you just shared and heard from you know at a deeper level isn't it amazing just if what if we just did this as a community the change and impact it would have and the depth that you would know and be known and, and how you can begin to walk together. And then as we do this with those we come into contact with. Let me give you just your assignment for this week, if I can. Application, if you will. Uh, and as we close out this series, I, I got just three application points because I thought, hey, why, might as well go big, right? We're, we're finishing up. But here's the thing. This isn't just an application because we need an application to feel like we did something. Do it, okay? Okay? Let us be a community that not only hears the word of God, but does what it says, okay? That you would say, okay, this week, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the notes home with me. I'm going to do this. When you obey God, it brings you under the blessing of God. Would you begin to walk under his blessing? First application point, pray. Pray. Ask God to open up an opportunity to share your story with someone this week. And you may even have people in your life that you know that you just need to start praying for specifically. Would you start praying? Would you wake up each morning and just pray? You, you may just need to put it on your car, put it on your mirror, put it whatever. It may be some names of some friends, of coworkers, of family. Just begin praying diligently. Second, write. Take 30 minutes this week. I didn't give you near enough time to write out your story. Right? Write out your story. For those who have been followers of Christ, this is a powerful thing because now you begin to look back and see the change that God has done in your life. So oftentimes we're moving forward all the time. And and because growth is incremental, meaning that it's small, it's hard, it's step by step, that it's not until you begin to look back you see how far God has actually changed you and, and brought you. Take time this week. Write it down. Literally, I mean, take 30 minutes. Take out your phone or whatever you have. Set the timer. 30 minutes and just write it out. Do that this week. Would you do that tomorrow even? Just go, hey, tomorrow, at some point, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to pray. I'm going to write. And then here's the last one. It's not share. Ask. Ask. Pray. Write. Ask. Here's your assignment. Would you pray diligently? Would you take the time to write out your story and then would you ask someone else about their story remember master the art of question asking initiate a conversation with your neighbor coworker friend and ask them to share their story with you that's the assignment so if you if you get to share your story that's gravy if you only get to hear part of their story great right because if evangelism if sharing the gospel is a process you realize it's you know what it's not just to this one punctiliar point of time. It is a process. So I'm going to just listen. I'm going to be present. I want to hear from you. I long to hear your story. And if you ask me mine, great. But I long to hear where you're at, what you've done. And they may ask, what's your story? What do you mean, story? Yeah, like, what's your story? Like, what's your background? What, you know, tell me about what childhood was like. Tell me about what, what your family life was like. I mean, what, tell me about your jobs or, you know, why, why are you majoring and what you're majoring? Or what brought you here? Tell me your story. I'd just love to hear your story. And listen. That's it. Would you do that this week? This means yes. This means no. Okay, okay. Okay. Good. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive into some baptisms, <laughs> literally. <laughs> it was very punny. <laughs> oh Jesus. I I am that dad. my kids are not going to have a whole lot of fun when they get older, but God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for inviting us into your grand story. Thank you for Jesus. May we share the beautiful news that you love us in stereo this week. For your namesake and glory, amen.